This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson Burns, writer and the protagonist of Heroin Training, and today we are reflecting on The Artist's Way, Week 2. And joining me today and every day is my co host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Grace, how is your art life? My art life is flexible both literally and figuratively. Um, I've been having a slow couple of weeks where I felt really low energy and I I wanted to launch into this year with a little bit more focus on acting and this and that, but uh, production shut down in LA officially again because we're the global hotspot for coronavirus and I think that I just sort of lost um, energy because of that. So I am finding myself really trying to focus on like joy and just pleasurable experiences rather than completing some project or um, putting any stress on myself. And uh, one thing that's been helping me is I am trying to keep a promise to myself every day and um is something that isn't stressful or isn't about, you know, some product that I need to create. So I have been doing a video every day, just like 10 minutes, to work on my splits flexibility. Um, I've been doing a lot of dance classes in the past year, and I really want to get more flexible and, and be able to do splits. So it's uh, it's a little thing. It's a little daily practice that has been making me feel so good and grounded in my body. So um, through all of the ups and downs and things that I'm not in control of in art life, I'm finding myself uh, choosing to have a flexible life. <laughs> How poetic. Oh, gosh. Grace, I can't imagine what that is like to be just waiting in the wings. So I love this example that you're setting of something simple that you are are working towards in the meantime that brings you joy. It does. And I think that it feels so much better to just chip away at something attainable than like put an unbelievable amount of pressure on myself right now to like oh, I'm well, I'm home, so I need to learn some giant course. No, I need to just work on flexibility. <laughs> That's it. That's enough. I keep getting these reminders that like getting into your body is often the answer and often what I most resist doing because it just seems like too easy and too daunting at the same time. So thank you for the reminder. You're so welcome. And I need the reminder every day too because once I've started – with some sort of movement or flexibility training, dance class, whatever it is, I feel so much better, but I always have to convince myself to start, muster up the motivation. And then as soon as I started, it's always that like, yep, this feels amazing. <laughs> Zandra, how is your art life? My art life is lyrical. So I am, I'm rereading the Jane Austen novels for my program, Letters from Jane Austen. And I just finished Mansfield Park, and oh my gosh, it's so great. I was reminded of how much I love and respect this masterpiece of literature. And I was inspired to 
write a song from the perspective of one of the characters. And then that inspired another song from Sense and Sensibility. And I've just been enjoying this little for fun art project of mine of going about my day and coming up with little lines that are references to the novels. And it's so much fun to be in that headspace. And to tie this in to the Artist's Way Week 2, as I was preparing for this episode, I was going through my notes from October when I did Week 2 of the Artist's Way. And on my artist date, I discovered a Japanese stationery shop called Knightsfield here in Edinburgh. And I picked out a little notebook and felt compelled to buy a few things. And that's actually why a couple of episodes ago in our Getting Started episode, I was like, make sure you budget for this because <laughs> I went overboard with the stationery, but I don't regret it. I just wish I had prepared for that. And I'm using that little notebook from week two for writing down my song lyrics. I am hesitant to demand a finished product from you, of course, <laughs> but I'm really, really excited at the thought of this getting turned into an EP or this being some kind of accessible uh, project because of course I just want to hear the songs and celebrate them how perfect how you um what a what a fun exercise thank you at, at the moment my goal is campfire ready so like when you come and visit me I'll play it for you around the campfire like in person and then we'll go from there well, now more than ever, it is so important to have things to look forward to. <laughs> and so that is going on my list of very exciting things to look forward to. And anyone who's reading Sense and Sensibility or Mansfield Park with me and listening to this, just reply and let me know. And I will be sure to include you in this, too, because I, I just want to share it with my Jane Austen pen pals. And I'm fortunate to have so many now because of this project. Today, we are reflecting on week two of The Artist's Way, recovering a sense of identity. So, Grace, in revisiting this chapter, what stood out to you? This is a big chapter for me, and um, I know that the Crazy Makers chapter is is something that had a big impact on me in the past. And because I have this copy of The Artist's Way that I've used before, I can actually see my notes from from the at least the second time I did the whole book. Um, I think about the Crazy Maker chapter a lot, and I'm a very self-aware that I have fallen into that trap in terms of like investing so much of my emotional and creative energy in other people in the past and especially in the types of charismatic high intensity high drama artists that Julia Cameron mentions in that segment of, of the chapter right where she's talking about it can even be you know successful artists can even be these kinds of draining crazy makers to the people in their circles so it was a good wake-up call to review that chapter or to review that um, lesson because it's definitely something I fell back into for a while 
in the past few years that I'm luckily recovering from um, and have been for, you know, a year or so. But it was a great reminder that that's a trap I can fall into. And another thing which I, I did see highlighted from my past reading of the book was that um, I'm also like keenly aware of the fact that I have been that person before. And, you know, maybe Julia Cameron never has been, or at least in the in the book itself, she doesn't acknowledge that she has been. But um, I know that in my past, when I have been very creatively blocked, and even when, you know, maybe I've been drinking too much, which is something that Julia Cameron also talks a lot about, um, about her, you know, her journey, I know that I have been that crazy-making kind of high drama in my personal life, nowhere to put my creativity, so everything just gets blown up. So I really appreciate this part of The Artist's Way because it's not just that I've uh, blocked myself by investing too much energy in other people who are in that trap, but it's actually taking responsibility for the times in my life where I've been that person. I find that incredibly healing. I love this continuing theme that we started to discuss last week about it's not one or the other. You can be in the crazy maker trap and be a crazy maker yourself. What is it like to notice that in yourself and to admit that you can be a crazy maker? Because that sounds kind of that sounds brave to me. It is. It's it's hard. I mean, it's certainly hard. Um, I mean, 15 years of therapy, I actually really like taking responsibility for my own <laughs> Yes, crap. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's the only way to, to, to heal. That's the only way to get better is when you go, okay, this part was me, you know. Um, so I think it, it right, like it, it's the kind of bravery that is necessary to move forward. And, um, and it also, like you're saying, where it's like one or the other, it's not, not everything is one or the other. I think in general, it's, it's understanding that when a lot of um, circumstances like that come up, it doesn't have to be victim and villain. It mm. can, we can look at these situations, especially as someone who's been on both sides of that spectrum. Um, it's just like emotional poison on both sides <laughs> and uh it's something that can be healed especially when both parties take responsibility so the thing that th that you know both of those roles have in common is the create like the blocked creativity right so whether i'm the person who's not taking care of myself and being self-destructive and causing drama or whether I'm the person who's rushing in to save someone over and over who's, you know, destructing their lives. The problem is that I'm not fulfilled within myself, within my relationship, with my spirituality, and within my art practice. That's the consistent thing on both ends of the behavior spectrum. So I think that recognizing that, it brings a lot of relief because it's not about vilifying one person and it's not about saying oh i'm just you know oh i messed up forever and oh i've just done this and that and never gonna get out of this no quite the opposite it's it's actually so relieving to go oh wow i understand why i did that or i understand why i allowed someone else to do that so i'm so glad i understand that now because i don't have to fall into that trap if i'm filling up my own well of creativity and groundedness and self-care i think what you said 
was apt that what what the common ground is is the creative block and I guess that's the whole premise of the artist's way that you can come at it from different angles perspectives walks of life and that's what we all have in common as something that we want to gain more of a personal understanding about and for me grace I the crazy maker section is like untouched in my book I had no notes on it because I was like I don't really feel like I am nodding and know exactly what this is in my own experience like I have with other parts of the book. So for me, that as well is is a is like a furthering of understanding to just be aware that this is something that people around me are struggling with that's going to impact me even if I'm not directly involved. And I think that that's also just such a great thing to note that even as hosts of this show, different parts of each chapter stand out to, like to us and we respond so deeply to different things because, yeah, I mean, I'm so set in my own experience that I uh, I love hearing that other people are like, oh, yeah, that one, that one was nothing for me. <laughs> what about you, though? I mean, what, what, the whole the whole chapter or the whole segment on attention and delight really reminded me of you. So what stood out to you in this chapter? Oh, I felt so seen by that to have that in like, as like a remedy in this chapter about like, this is part of the solution. Like, oh, yes, because that's that's my work. That's what that's what I pay. Well, I pay attention to attention in my writing and in everyday wonderland. And it, it can feel like a for fun thing. But hearing it in this context is like, no, this is like essential. This is um this is very important, so it's great to hear someone agree with me. What also really stood out to me in the reading was the section about poisonous playmates. And in particular, she said, do not expect your blocked friends to applaud your recovery. I think that's such a great reminder and can be rep- applied across different ventures that we might not consider specifically arts as well. What it immediately reminded me of was over the summer when I quit social media, my closest friends and people who are like in my circle in everyday wonderland were all very supportive. And it I just got a couple of random stranger messages, like comments on posts or email replies that were like, well, that's too bad and like defended their reasons for being on social media. And I just found it so peculiar. But reading the Poisonous Playmates section helped me understand why somebody might feel compelled to to respond like that. My jaw dropped while you were saying this because I had no idea that that happened. I've been sort of with you on this journey of your leaving social media and how healing and and like validating it's been for you. And I didn't know that you got comments like that. But it makes so much sense, right? So much of this chapter and so much of this study in my own personal development lately has been about not taking things personally. And whether it's like the Poisonous Playmates or the Crazy Makers segment, it's like understanding that, you know, people are projecting their own internal feelings about themselves onto others. And that does sound like people who 
are miserable in their social media use, as many people are who feel trapped and therefore need to tell you, well, no, you can't get out of it because they feel like they can't. Yeah. And it's like you said about being a crazy maker yourself sometimes. I, I need to check myself and, and notice when somebody's sharing something that is hard for them or that, that that's still new for them, I need to remind myself to be compassionate to their experience and not think about like my side of it so much. That's true for for difficulties, but it's also true for successes. So I think that, you know, the Poisonous Playmates thing highlights, but in other segments of the book as well, there's this one segment where she, um, where Julia Cameron mentions that if people start commenting about how you're, you're suddenly seeming selfish, those might be people to just gently distance yourself from for a while as you're on your creative recovery. And I know that sometimes when you, when I report a success, the um the accusation of selfishness or the the strange questions that come up or the little little digs that someone might aim at me while i know they're not about me they still hurt and that's something that i've become more keenly aware of because again it's you know it's not about me it's about what someone else is going through but um i think that we love boundaries on this show we love boundaries. And I think that a big part of creative recovery beyond play and fun and attention and delight is having boundaries around your sacred creative practice and and your successes and celebrating them and, and maybe even around your schedule. Yeah, this is definitely one that I have, it's taken me years to to master the art of of setting my own schedule boundaries because when I was a student and now that I'm self-employed I found myself like accommodating other people's schedules because they had to work and people would say like oh I can't do that I have a job I'm like well I have to work too but it's taken me many years to like firmly equate my work with somebody who is reporting to a boss and a, a time stamp sheet, um, whatever you'd call it. But that, like, part of that is our culture in society. Part of that is the other person. And part of that is, is my own self. And that's the part that I have control over. And I can say, this, these are my work hours. This is when I'm available. I think that's wonderful. And I wonder, I'm curious how, how um, this global lockdown has influenced your own like need for boundaries around your time or your freelance schedule since so many people are suddenly working from home. I think there was a couple of weeks in March when it was a free-for-all. And then over time, it's gotten way better for me as more people are experiencing a similar version of what my daily life has been for a while of realizing, oh, I do need to set boundaries even though I'm working from home. I think people have experienced a slice of of what I've been doing all along that makes them understand more the need to say like, oh, you don't need a, a firm excuse 
of like, oh, I can't because I have another commitment. People are starting to talk more about their own personal needs. And I think that that is great. And I love when people bring that up and say, this is my social boundary. And it's not like there's someone else or another obligation waiting. It's just this is what I need for me personally. I think that is such a huge leap. And I commend everyone who is using that kind of language because I think it's what we all need to be doing. I completely agree. Speaking of setting boundaries, something that I wanted to point out from going back to the introduction is a little blink and you miss it note from the author saying to only do half the tasks in each in each week's task list. I was very resistant to that that directive because I'm very much a rigidly follow all of the instructions, but the instructions were telling me leave half of these tasks undone. So actually one of the greatest parts of this experience for me was like letting go of of tasks. So I wanted to like remind people of that in case you missed it. Yeah, it is really thrown in one sentence and it's a blink and you miss it moment. And uh and Julia Cameron says she basically says whatever you have a strong resistance to or a strong positive to, those are the ones you should do. Um and I think that makes a lot of sense and that's that is how I tend to choose what tasks I do. But I am finding myself um getting the most value at least this time around with the artist's way. I am finding the most value is coming from the tasks. It's coming not from morning pages or even the reading because I've sort of done all of that before. But the tasks are like a more measurable way to to see where I am at this moment in my art life. Um, so this week, for example, I did the life pie task. That's one of the ones that I did. And it was one that, you know, I, I mean, I pick them out and I just go, oh, okay, this will be, this will be fine. And I think that I have an idea. I think I have an idea of what something's going to look like. And um, as I love, you know, you and I share a love for schedules and understanding how our time is split up. So the life pie task had you divide a circle into six pieces and, you know, you place um, work, spirituality, exercise, romance slash adventure, um, various things in each uh, slice. And then you sort of gauge where your fulfillment is in each of those areas. And the goal is to get a little more balance by the end of the 12 weeks. But what was really interesting with that task for me this time around is that I have changed so much as a person and an artist since I first did The Artist's Way in 2013. So back then, I had like huge resistance to exercise and fitness things, which I actually we talked in depth about in one of our first episodes of this show. Um but this, you know, this time around, I started doing the doing the tasks, putting out my time, gauging where I'm at, where I'm at, and uh, you know, I exercise, I work out every day now, and so that was really interesting because it was like, oh, this thing that in my head I still think is a isn't problem area, or oh, I need to improve upon, is actually good. I'm good. 
Like that is something that I have massively changed in. Um, on the flip side, my spiritual life, and in part because of coronavirus, uh, my like romance, you know, segment, my romance slice was like both that and the spirituality slice were totally, um, were, were super low in terms of my fulfillment and where my time is going. And I mentioned this to my sister, who is also an artist, on a hike that we did this week. I mentioned it to her uh, just because I thought it was so interesting. And she said, wait, but those are like the core aspects of who you are as a person. Oh. And I was like, and here I am talking about how I'm tired and I feel kind of lost right now. And it's like, well, no wonder. These two areas that are totally the core tenements of what inspires me and drives me are pretty empty right now. So this task was a huge help to me this week um, and, and a bit confronting, to be honest. But yeah, I just want to reiterate how important the tasks themselves are and how much you can discover, even if you think you know the answers. Once you actually put your pen to the page, it's a totally different situation. I can definitely relate to that as well where I like start to fill it out in my head and go oh this is easy and then something something happens between my head and my pen and something true comes out and I think part of that is also just the practice from doing the morning pages and just like being more in flow with that but I'm so glad that you did that task and I know in a few weeks time there's a a a check-in on your life pie again i think oh i don't even remember that well there we go spoiler (laughs) something to look forward to because i remember it coming up in the tasks and i was like life pie what's that oh yeah i didn't do that task give me so easy breezy (laughs) did you have one that stood out to you this week or how do you choose them in general i go through and just listen to my body and how it responds to each task. And I write a little heart if I'm very excited about it. And then I write a little face that goes, Ugh, if that's my reaction to it. And then about halfway through, I love the number seven. So I decided without looking at it, I'm just always going to do task seven and that proved very fruitful as well because sometimes I'd read it and be like, oh, I wouldn't have picked this one. But <laughs> often those are the tasks. <laughs> I totally love that. That's such a great system because it does, right, the random, right, I always do number seven. It does, it's like a challenge in itself. All right, this is not about my preferences. This one's the wild card. Yeah, wild card, romance, adventure. <laughs> Well, is there anything else you want to add before we get into our listener stories about The Artist's Way? I'll just say that I did the list 20 things that you love to do task, and I went through and reread it now, and I've done so many of those things. So I, I didn't even like plan to do them, just getting the idea out there reminded me, so... It was as much a like success as it is a a reminder that it doesn't have to feel like putting in so much effort. It's just like letting the dream onto the paper will like start to put things in motion. 
I totally agree with that. I think in doing that task this time around, I realized at least in a little bit more normal time, um, I do the things on that list. The first things that come to mind, I do all the time. And that's because of, you know, years of intentional effort to create a life that I want. But um, that's a really good feeling to look at that 20 things you love to do. And you know what? I'm actually I'm doing well at staying, you know, keeping those things as a priority. So we had some wonderful responses from listeners this week. Grace, you are like our our mailbag reader. Yes, thanks to social media being the social media um uh postman. <laughs> <laughs> I um I've been getting some wonderful responses directly from people that I just love so much, listeners I love so much. And we actually had two listener responses about something we said last week uh when we talked about the critics like the critics segment of week 1. Yeah. And I, I, I said to you, oh, I kind of have resistance about this, like this, you know, implication that critics are just blocked artists. And we had a great discussion about that. You and I, we actually had two listener responses that were that were um, echoing what we said. So Sean Leisher, one of my favorite listeners, uh, he said, I am completely with you on resistance to the idea of critics are just failed artists. Getting rid of binary thinking was a big part of my 2020. Yes. And we brought that up again in today's episode, this idea that something's not either or. Um, and uh, and Lori Kim also, who, um, who we mentioned last episode and who has an incredible uh, literary, I guess it's literary analysis book that we'll link to in the show notes. Um, Lori tweeted... She said, I disagree with the stance that being an art critic is not being an artist, although I understand it. Experiencing and then writing about art is its own separate discipline, a way of soul connection with other artists. It joins the arts of nonfiction and analysis to other art. Some of my favorite art I've ever made has been a review of figure skating, of poetry, or of music albums. Movement artists, in particular, have bonded with me over my verbal responses to their nonverbal art. Art criticism can be a chronicle and vehicle of community art experience. Art criticism can make artists feel seen and known in a way that many of us crave. And of course, it can inspire and create more art. The quilts I've made based on songs and poems are art criticism. And I'm proud of the art in the book I've written about a fiction series. Oh, oh my gosh. And this is like podcast criticism, right? <laughs> it's so beautiful. As always. Yeah. Lori's <laughs> insight is life-changing and profound, and I'll be thinking about it for the next 12 years. Yes. Oh, that's so, uh, it's so wonderful to hear. And I will say that I just published an essay today on heroin training and I made a reference to the Harry Potter series, but in the further reading, I said, like, Harry Potter's mentioned, but I got the idea from Snape, a definitive reading by Laurie Kim. So, like, that's the real source. I'm so glad that she took the time to respond to that segment of the book and our thoughts on it, because her writing in Snape, a definitive reading, and also her um, several, several, you know, beautiful pieces she's written 
about our mutual favorite band, Sons of an Illustrious Father, have like deepened my relationship to the artists and art themselves. Um, you know, she's an amazing writer, and the way that she sees people and sees artists uh, inspires me to be a better artist and a more vulnerable and raw one. So everything she's saying is so true. And it's something that I have experienced as an artist and as a an, an audience member of her work. I want to shout out to Sean as well, because I know that he is a dramaturg. I have so much respect for his role in theater of of like connecting the pieces and bringing artists' voices to light. So I, I just, I'm so excited about our circle here with all of the different types of artists that are, are sticking up for criticism and each other. Well, and speaking of our circles, we have a beautiful, we had a beautiful email from a new listener named Sarah, um, who I think found us through Claire Baker. Yes. Would you like to read Sarah's email? It was like the highlight of my week to read this. Sarah sent us a lovely email and said, I was doubtful that week one would bring any change. And can I just say that in two days, I have reclaimed that I also want to write and have drafted a bunch of blog posts. Out of the blue, started writing poetry, which I used to do in university and totally forgot about. And then realized that my long-lost poetry practice is the basis for how I now draw cartoons. I've started sniffing photos of nature on my daily walks and editing them at home, and it's such a tiny thing that now brings me joy. I've had a bunch of new ideas for illustrations, but I am afraid to attribute everything to the artist's way because the book can't be so powerful. Or can it? That was my favorite part of the email. It was so lovely, and it was actually longer than what we've even concluded today. But that last line, it can't be so powerful, can it, was so funny. So funny. Um, I'm totally going to link to Sarah's website and her Instagram on our show notes. She's a fantastically uh, talented and funny, thoughtful illustrator that I've just connected to online and you can see her work on um on her website she was just i just loved this email it was so charming and yeah yet again we had a listener submit i was very doubtful that this would do much for me and then they go oh it's day two and i my whole life has changed well keep going everyone and as you can probably tell we love hearing from you so if you're quietly following along with us we would love to hear how the artist's way is going for you. It's such a dream to uh, have the audience engagement we've had the past few weeks, and it is exactly what I was hoping for. It's beyond what I was hoping for already. So thank you to those who have been writing to us. We love hearing from you. Grace, what is the art life? The art life is getting rid of binary thinking. I was going to say that. We always want to say the same thing. It's so funny because we don't ever plan it, but we always do leave these episodes with the same insight and it makes me so happy. Um, yeah. I just love that this isn't a highlighted thing in the book itself, mm. but it's something that we have taken now consistently from both weeks. 
what is the art life? <laughs> it's not binary. It's not binary. Who <laughs> said it? It's the same. We could just it's the same. The art life is is synchronicity. <laughs> there we go. Well, that is wonderful. Sandra, you mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago that you published a new essay just now, which I read, thankfully, before we started recording and was one of my favorite things you've ever written. Um, for people who want to read it along with me, where can people find your art? Ah, oh my gosh, thank you. I, I didn't know you'd read it. That's wonderful to hear. It's called Life in the UK, and I just published it on heroinetraining.com. That's where all of my writing and projects are homed. You can find letters from Jane Austen there as well, and Everyday Wonderland, where we pay attention to delight. So heroinetraining.com is the best way to find me. Grace, where can people find your art? The best place to keep up with me is on Instagram. That's where I'm posting daily updates and new modeling work, things of that nature. And uh, that's where I'm most contactable if you have insights about the artist's way so far. But um, I also just launched... uh, my Etsy store, which I mentioned in our newsletter. So um, I've only put up one piece so far, but I will be expanding it over the next few weeks. Um, I'll link to it in the show notes. I've talked so much in the past year on this show about expanding into fine art, into author portraits and Stephen King themed art and postcards and this and that. Um, amazing relationships with gallery owners in the area. So I decided I'd really like to to put some stuff up on Etsy so that people who aren't in the LA area can check out what I'm up to. So that will be linked to in our show notes. And you mentioned our newsletter as well, which is another great way of keeping up with us and the show and our past guests. So you can sign up to that at theartlife.show. We will conclude our episode with one more listener share at the end of each episode we like to share a reader listener audience member review in the apple podcasts app and today's comes from my friend jasmine under the pseudonym (laughs) jazzy nouveau and she says exploring life with an artistic lens This podcast covers a variety of topics and always brings them back to how we are all artists. I love that this podcast sets a scene and makes me feel like I'm sitting in the same place as the co-hosts. I look forward to catching up with Zandra and Grace each week as they offer an honest and intelligent discussion. They curate different interviews and conversations to provide fruitful listening while also relating this to their normal lives. The combination makes this podcast valuably relatable and personal. My imagination is cultivated and my perspective on my world is enriched. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jasmine. I, I, uh, I'm just so glad we're getting these new reviews like up on iTunes. I'm so proud of what we're doing and I, it's just so meaningful to hear that people feel like they're with us, like they're sitting around with us. I don't know why, but that just makes my heart like so happy when people share that with us. So I'm glad that that's the experience that she's having because that's the experience I want to create for her. 
I'm so passionate about a sense of place, whether it's a, a fictional world or a in the performing arts a gathering to share something live together. These are the art forms that I'm drawn to. So that resonates as very important to me as well, that we are able to create that atmosphere across time zones and continents and that we can include all of you. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your words, Jasmine, Sean, Lori, and Sarah, and everyone else. From my side of the world, I wish you all a good morning. And from my side of the world, I wish you all a good night. Bye. Bye. This is The Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson Burns. You can find us online and subscribe to our newsletter at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91617. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.